0: Listeners, I am Ben Phelps, your host of the Non-Roster Invitees, a sports podcast. My co-host Brandon Buskirk is with us as always. We truly appreciate you being with us again for another episode. Just a reminder that you can always interact with us on Twitter, at the NRI podcast. That's at the NRI podcast. All likes, shares, and subscribes on social media and podcast platforms are appreciated. Summer is officially over for us, Brandon. Students are back on our campus this week. How are you spending your last day before it all gets real? Doing this, my friend, doing this.
1: And man, do we have a jam-packed show for you, a lot to cover. This may be a three-hour show, so hunker down, grab the blanket, start a fire, get some popcorn, get your favorite beverage, put some ear pods in your ears, and let's get a listing. I'm just kidding, but maybe not. Let's get it going.
0: All right. As for what we will actually cover, and Brandon's right, we have another fully loaded show for you. We'll talk NBA free agency, begin our two-week look at the upcoming college football season. That's right. This week, we'll talk about actual teams and games on the field instead of realignment. Uh, We will also look at MLB playoff races, which are starting to take shape. We'll tell you what has us feeling satisfied and smiling and what grinds our gears. Before we get to all that, leading off the show... It's time once again. Brandon's Box of Mystery Topics. Brandon's Box of Mystery Topics. Brandon's Box of Mystery Topics. It's a mystery for you. Brandon's Box
1: of Mystery Topics. As usual, this has become a fan favorite. I love it. Ben loves it. Let's get into it. I got four topics per usual. Nice and quick. First topic for you, Ben. Josh Allen signs a six-year extension worth $258 million. First person to have $150 million guaranteed. What's your initial thoughts?
0: I think for a franchise like Buffalo, if you've got a quarterback like Josh Allen, it's one of those things that has to be done. I mean, it was what? Since Jim Jim Kelly was the last elite quarterback they had. Tough to win a Super Bowl, though. We know the formula in the NFL is draft that elite quarterback, win one while, while they're on their rookie contract. Be interesting to see how Buffalo navigates the cap as that contract really kicks in. But his, if he continues what he did last year, probably had to do it.
1: Yes, and I read that Buffalo was getting ahead of the next paid quarterback, the 2018 draft class, that Buffalo's getting ahead of that. So they're kind of setting the market because he, be he could be worth a lot more if he has another good year. So I kind of like that Buffalo got the deal now.
0: That that is good because it's true. Anytime a star quarterback comes up and their contracts do, it tends to reset the market. So be interesting to see long term were they wisely ahead of the curve or did they overpay tend to lean towards they were wise to get out in front.
1: Topic number two, Messi. He is officially out of Barcelona after a 17-year career. He's like 35 years old, so yes, he was a teenager when he started out with Barcelona. Uh, You always hate to see these divorces, but PSG already stepped in and offered him a two-year contract, which he accepted, so he he will be playing for PSG, which is huge for that company, that corporation, that business. Your thoughts, Ben?
0: It's just one of those things. Like I, it's it's the business. Ronaldo. I think we associate him with Real Madrid. He, we know he went to Juventus. I, I Brand. I think I'm like you, where I'm kind of borderline, slightly more than a casual soccer fan. But it's just it. This is almost like. Messi's one of those names where as soon as you say it, I picture him in a Barcelona jersey. It'd be kind of like if, you know, if Derek Jeter at the end of his career ended up not being a Yankee. It happens. It happens to stars all the time, but just going to, it's, it's going to be weird to not see him playing for Barcelona.
1: Absolutely. I'm the most like casual soccer fan there is, but it's definitely going to be weird seeing him in the blue PSG jersey for sure. Uh, topic number three Quentin Nelson. Same, same exact foot injury as Wentz a week later. Are they cursed over in the Colts?
0: There is something going on. Maybe they need to switch to, I don't know, some sort of Bermuda grass or a Kentucky bluegrass. Because the fact that we had Carson Wentz, foot surgery five to 12 weeks out, and then Quentin Nelson, all-world lineman, the exact same injury, I mean... It's probably random. It's probably nothing to this. It happens. But it is very, very bizarre that two stars—well, I don't know if Wentz is a star anymore. We'll, we, we'll find out in 12 weeks, I guess. But just bizarre to have that happen to two high-profile guys on the same team, like, days apart.
1: Absolutely. And topic number four, uh, Bobby B- uh, Bowden. Bowden. Bowden? Bowden? Bobby Bowden. Bowden.
0: He has died at 91 years old. Um, ben, what's his legacy? His legacy is that he took over um, a Florida State program that wasn't on the map. And we're talking, I think at one point, he had 14 straight seasons of top five finishes, won two national championships. I and mean, he did it recruiting guys like Deion Sanders, Warwick Dunn, Peter Warwick. I mean, the list of Peter Bulware, the, the list of NFL stars that went through that program and the success that they had. Um, it wasn't an SEC program, even though it's in Florida, but Florida State was an SEC-level program in uh, one of the great teams of the 90s and early 2000s, so really uh, certainly a titan of, of the coaching ranks we lost this week.
1: Yes, we did. We sure did about that. So RIP Bobby, um, I'm sure he'll be a legacy at Florida State, uh, and so uh, that's your
0: Brandon's box of mystery topics this week it's mystery oh well done with those brandon you know what that's a great great positive way to start the show let's keep feeling good folks let's get weird cue that saxophone oh time to get satisfied brandon what's got you feeling good this week
1: as the olympics are winding down i'm staying with this topic because i got a couple of them that left me smiling and satisfied this week first thing 14 year old chinese diver in the finals 14 years old. That's the cutoff. If the Olympics happened last year like they're supposed to, this Olympic male diver could not compete. Destroyed. Destroyed the record for diving. Had like three rounds of all 10s. It was so impressive for the 14-year-old. I was highly impressed by this. Women's Beach Volleyball, April Ross got her gold, 39 years old. Last two Olympics, she got a bronze and a silver. So congratulations to April Ross. Um, Allison Felix, record 11 Olympic medals on the track. Congratulations to you. And finally, women's indoor volleyball. They pushed through. They got their first goal the other night, too. So congratulations to those um, those those people in the Olympics. Enjoyed watching it. Um, it's winding down, but that is what left me satisfied and smiling this week.
0: Yeah, certainly some impressive showings by some veteran Olympic players with Allison Felix. And throw Sue Bird in there, too, on the women's basketball yeah. team. 40 years old, still playing a lot of minutes for that U.S. women's basketball team that got gold over the host country Japan. Um, What's got me feeling really good is it's a baseball centric podcast guys and Friday night, August 6th, man that was a fun night of baseball. There were three walk off wins and another one run extra innings win that night. Angels Dodgers was really late, a really late West Coast game. That finish was great but what really had me feeling good was MLB.TV if you're a subscriber and you're not aware they have a feature called the big inning that airs every weeknight starting at nine o'clock eastern six o'clock west coast if you're not using it boy are you missing out because Friday night I sat there it, just think red zone for MLB but I was watching Mariners Yankees in an extra innings walk off Giants Brewers that was a great series we'll talk more about later uh twins Astros again not a walk-off but still a one run win in extras again MLB.tv subscribers look for it every weeknight the big inning it's red zone for baseball, by the way, features all 30 teams, and there are no blackouts when you're watching the big inning. So you see highlights from everybody. Uh, MLB needs to advertise this, this much harder. But, man, Friday night, big inning, had me feeling satisfied and smiling.
1: Love to hear it. Love right. to hear it. Great program.
0: Absolutely. Okay, let's move over to the NBA. Brandon, I, you're going to take the lead on this yes, sir. because my my big input on NBA free agency. Holy crap, with the cap raising the last few years, there is crazy money flying around the NBA. So Brandon, get us started. What, are, what do we need to know about NBA free agency? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take
1: you through just a few, highlight a few teams that had the majority of the free agency. Then I'm going to go through a couple of stars, um, self-team signees, So, and then I'll get your opinion as I'm going, okay? So first, we're going to start the Perfect. Lakers. We talked about them getting Westbrook last week, and we talked about them, that they weren't even close to being done. They needed some shooting. And boy, oh boy, have they made a splash. They're whole team is pretty much blown up they brought in a bunch of new people so the Lakers brought in Carmelo Anthony 37 years old Trevor Ariza, 36 years old. They brought back Dwight Howard, 35 years old. They brought back Kent Bazemore, 32 years old. They brought back Wayne Ellington, 33 years old. They re-signed Horton Tucker, who's young. And then they got Malik Monk, and they got Kendrick Nunn, who are also the young bucks on that team as well. So they have surrounded some shooting around that team, but generally, they're pretty old, and you have to know that LeBron James is behind this. I'm just going to start with the Lakers, Ben. What do you think about this
0: Lakers team? I think LeBron is a player GM without the title of being a GM. Because like you said, he's he's bringing all his guys in, all his bros. Um, I think, boy, people who don't like load management don't watch the Lakers this year because they're going to have to use yeah. that uh, with a lot of these veterans to save legs for the playoffs. A lot of big names if they're healthy in the playoffs. I mean, we talked about this before. If LeBron and AD are healthy, they can win a championship. Be interesting to see how all these pieces fit together. And are they going to let Nunn and Talen Horton Tucker hang out, or are those guys too young to go hang out with? It's going to be like a father-son hang out. Yeah, I think,
1: I think by my count they have uh, seven players over the age of 32 on that roster. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting what the Lakers can, can put together this year. Uh, so we're moving on. Okay, here are lights. Uh, Bulls. Bulls signed Alex Caruso, four years, thirty-seven million. Lonzo Ball, four years, eighty-five million. DeMar DeRozan, three years, eighty-five million. Heat. They kept Butler, they signed Lowry to a three-year deal, and they kept Duncan Robinson on a five-year deal. Both Lowry and Duncan Robinson, uh, years are different, but both about $90 million uh, uh, each. Uh, then the Knicks signed Alex Burks for three years, $30 million, Evan Fournay for four years, $78 million. And then the Pelicans doing Pelicans things. Uh, they let Lonzo Ball go, and they signed uh, Devontae Graham for four years, $47 million. Just based on the teams I've mentioned, the Lakers, the Bulls, the Heats, the Knicks, and the Pelicans, Ben, which team do you like the moves they've made the best?
0: I don't know that, I guess I could say I like it the best, but maybe a better way is I'm most intrigued by the Miami Heat. I, You know me, I'm a, I'm a math guy, I'm a stat nerd, I'm an analytics guy, I love Spolstra and that that organization is completely leaned into the analytics movement. Um, I'm really curious to see how Kyle Lowry fits in with Butler, Duncan Robinson, and the other things that are going on there because I think Lowry was kind of miscast as a true number two in Toronto. I think he is a really, really high, high-end three. So I'm just really curious to see how that works with Miami and if, uh, you know, not that they had a terrible year, but to see if they can kind of get back to where they were at in the bubble with some with the guys they brought in. Now the I other sure. thing I, oh, I want to ask, you, yep. I, oh, so the Heat won, but two... Did I hear that right? Lonzo Ball is getting $85 million? Is that is, is Lon- I mean, I'm, I'm asking. Is Lonzo Ball, is that a reasonable contract for a guy like Ball?
1: Yeah, so I'll get into what the experts, because I've read a lot about this. So Lonzo Ball is getting about $21 million a year. He's still 23 years old, and he has a lot of upside. So actually, a lot of the experts, they like that signing a lot. Okay. Yeah, because I thought the I same thing. can be on board with that. What they did, so if I just go through it real fast, what I've read about, um the People like the moves the Bulls made for Caruso and Ball. They don't love the DeRozan uh, contract just because Zach Levine needs a ball in his hands, and DeRozan also needs a ball in his hands a lot. So they're not sure about that.
0: That makes sense because, yeah, having two two ball-centric guys that that – can be tough. It'll be interesting to see how they stagger their playing time.
1: Yeah, they're up on the heat. They love keeping Butler. They love getting Lowry. They love that sign with Donker Robinson. I'll just say they got Oladipo. Oladipo's been injured the last couple seasons. Hasn't been like he was in, I don't know, 2017, 2018. But the heat has definitely up. People are kind of kind of cautious about the Knicks. The Knicks were up and coming this past year. They're, what, fourth, fifth seed in the East this past year? And all they did was get yep. Burks and then way overspend for Evan Fournay. And there was a lot of good free agencies. So people are kind of like uh 50 50 on what the knicks did
0: yeah i i was a little surprised by that too just to see that the Knicks. because usually i mean even when the knicks were terrible any big name that's out there, they're throwing money at, the, at that name like there's no tomorrow. You really didn't hear about them trying to get into a big spending spree. So it would be interesting to see if they can keep the ball rolling with what they did last year.
1: And then nobody knows what the Pelicans are doing. They let Lonzo go. Then they get Devontae Graham in for four years, 47 years, 47 million, who hasn't really done a lot. He was in the D League um, trying to get his game right. Um, it just feels like the Pelicans are doing the same thing with Zion. They did it with Anthony Davis. They're just wasting talent and eventually— He's going to want out. He's going to want to go to a contender.
0: Yeah, and I understand that because, like, I mean, when I'm trying to think back when AD was with the Pelicans. Was Drew Holiday, like, the only, like, other legit supporting yeah. player he had? Yeah. Yeah, and then with Zion, I, I mean, and I know Lonzo's got upside, but he's gone now. You look at that roster, and to be honest with you, as a pretty casual NBA fan, I look at the Pelicans roster and outside of Zion, I'm like, who? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. A Brandon Egram, right? That's the other star. Yeah, got, yes. Guess. Um, all right, just go through the re-signings really fast. Uh, Butler signed four years, $184 million. John Collins re-signed five years, $125 million. Uh, Mike Conley re-signed three years, $72.5 million. Steph Curry re-signed four years, $215 million. Yes, I said that correctly. Uh, Kevin Durant re-signed with the Nets four years, 198 million. Chris Paul re signed with the Suns for four years, 120 million. He'll be 40 by the time that contract expires. That is a lot of money. Shea Gilgrass and Alexander for the Thunder, they uh, resigned re signed in five years, $172 million for the Max. That had to be done. And Trey Young resigned uh, re-signed for five years two hundred and seventy two hundred and seven million dollars, which was the max, and that had to be redone as well. Then you just look at the stars, I said. Which one of those contracts do you like? Which one do you not like?
0: I you know, it's it's funny. I like how you said that, especially with Trey Young, that it's that's a lot of money, but had to be done. You're Atlanta. It's been a while since they were truly relevant in basketball in the NBA with a true young superstar. Certainly looks like Trey Young could be that guy. So I don't necessarily love the contract, but I I love that they're making an effort to keep their star in hope in town hopefully they get some some stuff around him i got to be honest i don't love the chris paul contract and it's not even the dollar amount it's the length it's the length we know chris paul has had issues staying healthy in the playoffs there is no question no question about chris paul's talent and what he brings to the table when he's healthy but to eat up that chunk of your cap and really have question marks going, can we count on this guy to make it through three rounds of the playoffs and then the a fourth round of the final? Like that, I that concerns me that it's four years. And I get that they the Suns probably kind of had to do it or felt like they needed to to reward him. I would have preferred to see them keep it to two years, but. I wasn't in the negotiating room, so I'm not sure what all went into that third and fourth year.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm never a fan of the. Here's a contract. We're going to reward you with when you're older. I get that they do it. They feel loyal. Uh, I'm with you. I don't love that, Chris Paul. Me and you are both are both advocates of. You're older. Less years, more money. Right. I give them two years. Yes. Give them fifty million for those two years. For all I care, if you want, but I just I would all oh, I'll overpay.
0: Years. Yeah, yeah, all overpay. In the short term, so I have financial flexibility in the long term. Because we we certainly see this in baseball, and it's true in a salary cap league like the NBA. Teams that have payroll flexibility are able to make those moves in season to put themselves over the top. It would be interesting to see how the Suns navigate the cap going forward.
1: Yeah, I also, I mean... (laughs) I mean, I don't love the Seth Curry four-year extension for $215 million. He's 33 right now, so think about that. I understand that guards overall age better than bigs because they can shoot. It's not as much weight on their knees, but it just seemed the same thing of the rewarding Seth Curry for all they've done for that franchise, and that's a lot of money for someone who's already 33 years old.
0: Well, yeah, and it feels like they're rewarding him for the last two years going, Well, Steph, you're the only guy that's healthy, and we went from being the kings of the league to kind of being mediocre. Sorry about that. Here's that cash for you going out there every night and playing for us.
1: Yes. All right. Uh, Thank you for pleasing me with the NBA talk. That's all I got. Thank you for joining me. We can move on, my friend.
0: All right. We are moving on to college football. And again, hey, folks, we're not talking realignment and business and the politics behind the sports. None of that this week. None of that. We are... We are talking about teams that will actually be on the field and games that are going to be played. So while we're going to handle this, this isn't going to be like our baseball previews where we go division by division or conference by conference, I guess, is the NCAA. We're going to take today the Big 12, the Pac-12, big and picture. the Group of Five. We are going big to picture. give you... Big picture. are going to give you our contenders, give you a dark horse in each of those... Group of Five is not a conference, but you folks know what I mean. We're going to give you contenders, one dark horse... Games we're looking forward to that we would pay a lot of money to go see if we could afford it. So starting in the Big 12, Brandon, we'll go conference by conference. I'll give you my thoughts, then throw it to you. Contenders, big shock here, folks. Oklahoma is the unquestioned favorite. They won the Big 12 championship game last year, even though – they finished second in the regular season standings to Iowa State. Spencer Rattler's back for year two. Like him or not, he was one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Uh, he's projected to be maybe the best in college football this year as a sophomore. Really the big knocks on him. In the pocket, his footwork gets sloppy sometimes and he takes too many sacks. That's a fixable problem, but this offense is loaded. They return running back Kennedy Brooks. Their receiving core, uh, led by Marvin Mims, is good. This offense is going to score a ton of points again. Uh, Defensively, though, is where Oklahoma has really made strides the last few years uh, under defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. If you know that, if you think you know that name or have heard it, he was the DC at Washington State, then co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State before going to Oklahoma. Uh, This has gone from a team that has an elite offense and a meh defense to this year they probably have the best. Uh, defensive front seven in the Big 12, one of the better D-lines in the country. So my guess uh, for Oklahoma, probably going to win the conference game. Brandon, listen to this schedule. Their non-conference schedule, you know what their toughest game is? What's Nebraska that? yeah okay Nebraska's their toughest opponent in non conference, but they do get t- they have Texas at a neutral site, which is always uh, a rivalry a tough rivalry game. They get Iowa State at home, and then they have Oklahoma State and Stillwater. those look like the only stumbling blocks to be honest, this schedule doesn't look terribly impressive to me, so if Oklahoma does lose somewhere along the way, I hope the college football com- college football playoff committee punishes them for that. The other contender I have in the big twelve, not just because i 'm a homer, but The preseason rankings reflect it. It's the Iowa State Cyclones. Like I said, don't forget, they finished on top of the Big 12 regular season standings at 8-1, had the tiebreaker with Oklahoma. Iowa State returns 20 of 22 starters on offense and defense. Matt Campbell has taken this program from a perennial doormat to a legit Big 12 contender. Since the Big 12 was formed in 1996, Brandon, Iowa State has had a winning conference record five times. Four of those have occurred the last four seasons under Matt Campbell. Now that all the good feels are out there, let's get real. Iowa State season, I'm just going to say it. It depends on Brock Purdy taking another step. He was very, very mediocre to below average at times last year. When he's in rhythm... He makes throws that are incredible, but his decision making when he's on the run, he's actually regressed each year since starting with his, from his freshman year. So, as a senior we'll see he's got the best tight end group in the country led by All-American 6 foot 6 Charlie Kohler. All-American running back Brees Hall is back. All the tools are there, but this offense is not going to take the next step and truly be good if Brock Purdy plays like he did last year. Defense was a top 10 defense in college football. Iowa State schedule, they got some tough games. They get Iowa out of conference at home, play Oklahoma State and TCU and Ames as well. But late November, there's that trip to Norman, Oklahoma, with the Sooners that may very well decide the regular season championship. My dark horse in the Big 12 is TCU. After going 11-3 in 2017, TCU's had three subpar seasons that are well below the bar Gary Patterson has set for this program. Much like Iowa State, it's going to come down to the improvement of quarterback Max Duggan made good strides from his freshman to his sophomore year. They have a loaded receiving core led by DJ Spielman and Quinton Johnson. Quinton Johnson especially is 6'4", 193 pounds and is a bear to take down in the open field. Former five-star running back Zach Evans needs to be their man this year to take some pressure off the passing game. And TCU's defense, Brandon's Gary Patterson. TCU always has a good defense. They should be back to being elite, even though they lost a few pieces to the NFL in the secondary. Uh, they might have the best um, one of the best rushing tan, edge rushing tandems in the league as well. TCU schedule. This is why they're a dark horse and not a contender for me. They play Cal and SMU in non conference, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State all on the road in Big Twelve play. So there's what I think about the Big Twelve. Brandon, uh, let's start with Oklahoma. Any any reason they shouldn't be the favorites in this league?
1: All right. So this is what I'm doing. When I wrote down my notes, I did big picture. I did overall contenders for the entire year. I did overall dark horses for the entire year. I did overall players Perfect. I'm interested in. I did three games I'm interested in this year. So I'm, I'm not conference by conference. That's all you. And you can see the listeners how much depth Ben knows. He reads all about this stuff. So he's going to be your, your, your stat guy, your guy guy. And I'm just going to do the overall picture. I don't disagree with anything you just said there. My eyes are on Oklahoma and Iowa State in that division. You can keep going.
0: Yep. I mean, it's one of those things I'm not going to spend more time on the Big 12. It is what we think it is. We'll see if Texas actually the talents there. But who knows? Probably Oklahoma when all said and done is winning the league. But we'll see if TC or Iowa. So so
1: keep doing your thing. Then I will end it at the end with our different overall things. So keep going.
0: Perfect. Pac-12 contenders, Washington. I'm going to start with the North Division. I've got the Washington Huskies. Should be a good battle with them in Oregon. The deciding factor, honestly, for me, is quarterback play. If you remember last year, Washington had to bow out of the Pac-12 championship because of a COVID outbreak, and they didn't play Oregon, also because of the same COVID outbreak. Uh, Jimmy Lake is their head coach now. If you're wondering why does Washington's defense look the same as when Chris Peterson was there, he was the defensive coordinator. Um, The Huskies have the best cornerback duo in the Pac-12. They've also got a Buckus Award candidate uh, in Edefuan Ulo. Foscio, hope I said that name right, uh, but they've also got, uh, the big question for Washington is going to be quarterback play again, uh, Dylan Morris is not as physically as gifted as Jacob Eason, but made it work last year in a small sample, size. So I think Washington only had four games on their season last year, got a great tight end in Kate Otten, I don't know, we'll see with their with their wide receivers, but as their wide receiver improvement goes, so go the Huskies, Washington, Brandon, big key, they avoid USC in their games where they play the South Division. They get Oregon, Utah, and Arizona State all at home. They do have a late October road trip to Stanford. I expect double-digit wins for Washington if this team stays relatively healthy. The South, Brandon, you'll like this usc is my pick to win the south maybe i'm dumb for that but on talent alone they should win this clay helton seat i don't think we can even say it's hot at this point it is burning lava if sc doesn't come through this year keaton slovis is the name you know he's the quarterback the potential's immense offensive coordinator Graham Harrell would be wise to mix in a little more play action, get that run game, going to take some pressure off Slovis, open up that deep passing game that he's so skilled at. Defensively, USC has struggled but made strides under Todd Orlando uh, when he took over in 2019. We'll see, though. The big thing with USC is they've got a bunch of four- and five-star guys that were highly touted that haven't lived up to the hype. We'll see. Can it happen this year? Now, USC's schedule is tough. They play non-conference games against San Jose State. No slouch out of the Mountain West. They're at Notre Dame, and then they finish the season with BYU. So not a, not a murderer's row slate by any means, but not gimmies either. And then in Pac-12, they get Utah off a of bye week, Stanford at home, and they have a game at Arizona State that will likely be the biggest pitfalls for them. Again, we'll see. My dark horse, Arizona State. The talent is there. We'll see. Can Herm and his staff finally put it all together? They looked really good to start the year last year, but then stumbled to a two and two finish. Uh, you know, they may stumble again, but Jaden Daniels, talented quarterback who hasn't put it together. Will he finally live up to being the number 35 overall recruit in the country? Brandon, real quick though, any anything different on the Pac-12? Do you think Oregon will be more of a factor? Am I underselling them?
1: I don't. I don't know about Oregon. They've been a little bit down. They're still good, don't mind you. Um, I also think that Utah might take the South over USC. That Utah team is pretty talented. USC is just – they haven't been the same USC, and when you count on them, they kind of fall off a little bit. I'm very interested in how the Pac-12 is going to shape up. I think it could be – I want to say anybody's uh, divisions on both sides, but I think it's going to shape up. It's going to be people beating up on each other. My question is, when is the Pac-12 collectively going to have that team to take the next step to get in the college playoff? Uh, top four, not even that, but make a championship game because the Pac-12 is severely lacking as a Power 5 conference with that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had Washington, what was that, four years ago that got in, had a good team, played Alabama pretty tough, but just Alabama bigger, faster, stronger, more depth. Uh, Pac-12, yeah, I feel like this has been a conference and it's the same story for the last four, five, six years. There's a lot of pretty good teams. There's not an elite team in the league and there hasn't been, so... We'll see if they can get it going. All right, so to finish this up, and then I want to get a little more back and forth so you're not all stuck listening to me longer, but the group of five. Group of five, I've got three teams for you, Brandon. Uh, Cincinnati should be the first one you talk about. They're going to be ranked in the preseason. They're going to be ranked pretty high. Everything is there that I can see except O-line is a little bit of a question mark. It's not a bad offensive line, but I'm not sure uh, if it holds up, especially when you compare them to Power 5 teams. Bottom line, Luke, Luke Fickle has built an impressive roster with a legit Power 5-level defense since he took the head coaching job after leaving Ohio State as their D.C. Uh, they have a legit Thorpe Award contender and cornerback Ahmed Gardner. If you have not watched this defense play, I'm telling you, folks, there's NFL talent there, and you're doing yourself a disservice. If you're sick of watching the same old, same old teams every week, turn on Cincinnati. You will you will be surprised at the level of athleticism on that defense. Uh, September 18th and October 2nd uh, matchups, very, very sexy non-conference matchups here. We get Cincinnati at Indiana, which, by the way, do you guys know Indiana's actually good at football now? We'll talk about them more next week when we get to the Big Ten. But Cincinnati plays Indiana and Notre Dame, along with the Conference date with Central Florida. So some fun matchups involving Cincinnati. Speaking of Central Florida, they're my other group of five semi-contender. they They're like, The Central Florida Gold Knights, likely their biggest obstacle to going undefeated is, of course, playing those Cincinnati Bearcats I just man- mentioned. Dylan Gabriel is a great quarterback. Their running backs are good. Wide receiver and O-line, though, those have fallen off since the Scott Frost era. Uh, Gus Malzahn, coach who got fired at auburn is now the coach at central florida we'll see uh, if he can keep it going with the way that scott frost and josh heupel had things going talent is there but we'll see if Malzon can get the job done my last one nevada not unlv <laughs> nevada up in reno uh Carson strong might be the best quarterback. None of us have ever watched play. Honestly, one of the best deep ball throwers in the country, Nevada has what pro football focus calls quote, not just one of the best passing offenses offenses in the group of five, but in the entire country, Carson strong and wide receivers, Romeo dubs and Elijah cooks will lead a high powered off, probably the highest powered offense in the mountain West conference. They return all of their key starters on defense, not all starters, but all their key guys. Um, I expect them to contend with San Jose State for the Mountain West Championship. They also, they play Cal at Kansas State, at Boise State, and at San Diego State, along with a home date against San Jose State. If they survive that, they probably will at least get some mentions for a New Year's Six Bowl or at least uh, be in the college football playoff rankings. Whew, I'm done. Brandon, what do you got on college football?
1: Okay, let me give you my overalls. And you can throw it in too. I know you're going to talk about or we're going to talk about more conferences going forward next year. And we haven't talked about some of these teams, but I'm still going to give you my overall thoughts right now as we're getting into college football. I hope that's okay with everybody. So my overall overall contenders is the same contenders as always been because they just reload with talent. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. You'll see them in the top four teams again. I truly believe that. Clemson, uh, is reloading with DJU as the quarterback. You should recognize the name because when uh, what's his name Trevor Lawrence is out for a couple weeks, he came in. He looked good in spot starts, but now he is the man. Alabama is retooling with a Bryce Young, a dual threat quarterback. I'm interested to see him. And Ohio State is throwing out what quarterback, Ben?
0: Oh, who are they? Have a three way battle. Let me. Okay. Cash. We'll get to them next week.
1: We will, we will cover that. Let's not worry about it now. So those are my three contenders right now. The teams that think they're contenders, but they are, never are, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. I hate to tell you, you you're just, your mindset's always that you're the best in the world, and you're not. Sorry to say that. Uh, dark Horses. Man, you nailed some of my Dark Horses, and that's why I love you. My first Dark Horse was Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Like Ben said, if you have not watched Cincinnati, that quarterback is electric. He elevates the entire team. North Carolina with Sam Howell. If Sam Howell can stay stay healthy, he elevates that team. Iowa State, lots of returners, which is huge in college football, and a great QB. That is a great recipe for success this year. I think they're going to be better than Nick last year, and they're going to take that step one more time. That's good to see from Ohio State. Georgia is a dark horse slash contender, and Texas A&M is also one of my dark horses.
0: Yeah, Georgia's roster is loaded, by the way, the quarterback they expect to start Ohio State. Was on the tip of my tongue, I couldn't come up with it. CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud, okay. is his name. But I know there's a couple other guys in the mix. By the way, um, the Alabama quarterback was that the did the, was that the kid that played at Modern Day in California? Bryce, do you know? I,
1: I don't know where he's from. I just saw he's a dual, dual threat uh, quarterback. Who I think, knows what okay. Nick Saban's going to do with him? Players that I'm looking forward to seeing this year: ex USC JT Daniels. Can he take that step for Georgia? Because Georgia's going to rely on JT Daniels. If he can take that step. Watch out, folks. Georgia's going to be very, very, very good. A slew of ILS, uh, Iowa State University players. Brees Hall. Beast. Uh, beast. Linebacker Mike Rose. Beast. And tight end Kohler, who's like 6'12 half feet ginormous. <laughs> I'm looking forward to him as well. Um, Haskell Garrett. Ohio State, does just they keep busting out Beast on the D-line. Haskell Garrett is the next guy coming out. Beast. Um, and then I guess you have to put on the list Spencer Rattler. I don't want to, but, I mean, Spencer Rattler. <laughs> and then uh, D-, D. Eric King from Miami. He got injured last year, but he makes Miami go as well. Um, and so those are the players I'm looking forward to seeing in college football this year.
0: Okay, if you have to spend money to go see one college football game this year, who are you going to see?
1: Yeah, I'm going to three because I am loaded, folks. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha uh, The first one, September 4th. Clemson versus Georgia. That is a huge game. I guess that would be my number one game to go to. Um, Oklahoma and Iowa State after the last year. I mean, that's a must watch, right? And then for me personally, USC-Notre Dame is because Notre Dame has been so much better than USC. That's kind of our benchmark of can we get over finally the Notre Dame hump? And if we can't, that's disappointing from a USC fan.
0: Yeah, the it's it's interesting, and again, I I I've, call me a homer if you need to, but Oklahoma Iowa State would be up there for me, and should be noted, counting the Big Twelve title game. I believe the last four matchups between those two teams it's two and two. Every single one of those games decided by seven points or less. So should be, I have no doubt? It'll I hope it'll be another close one. Hopefully Iowa State winning it. Um, I mean, is is there, I, I haven't looked at the
1: entire schedule. Have you? I mean, is there a bigger game before that September fourth Clemson Georgia game?
0: Oh, definitely not before. It's so September fourth. Yeah. That's like the second first full week of the season. That one, I, I would think I can safely say that's probably the biggest non-conference game that we'll have. I would love to see though if it happens. I forget if how the uh, how the SEC schedule works this year. But Georgia, Alabama, if that happens in the SEC title game, that would be my top three as well. So, all right, that is college football for the week. Like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll preview the other Power 5 conferences real quick. Nothing, nothing crazy in depth because, folks, it's August. It doesn't feel like football season, even though it is coming fast. Uh, but we'll get through our college football previews, and then we can move our attention to the uh, NFL and focus on baseball the rest of the year. So speaking of baseball, uh, playoff series or I shouldn't say playoff series, but playoff races continue to take shape. A uh, lot of big series. Brandon, I want to start. Uh, let's yeah, Why not? We'll start in the American League East. Uh, Yankees and Blue Jays, both red hot. Uh, prior to Sunday's games, I believe. Yeah, both of them have won eight of their last ten mm-hmm. Um the Blue Jays are in fourth place in that division at nine games over 500. Uh, Boston, that's—and I guess I want to focus on them. We know Tampa keeps rolling. We don't really need to talk too much about them unless we want to. But my question, Brandon, is Tampa still in first place, hasn't missed a beat. The Yankees and Blue Jays are coming. Should we legitimately be worried about the Boston Red Sox hanging on to a playoff spot here?
1: Oh, man, that's such a good question. This, AL East, I think much like the NL West, that I think both— both wildcard teams are going to come from this division unless Oakland can keep hanging on to that spot. But I, I mean, it's tough. Toronto's like we talked about the trade deadline. I don't. Did Boston do enough? Toronto obviously did enough. Yankees got some bats and they're hot. Tampa Bay's doing Tampa Bay thing. So it's going to come down the wire. The AL East is going to be a must-watch uh, for this. But Boston could legitimately miss the playoffs for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to over overreact in you know in a ten game sample size because we know over 162 you can't can't make an assumption. But part of it is timing because the other three teams they're battling for in the ale for the ALE's crown are red hot right now. But when Boston, you see, you've lost eight of your last ten. It, it's it's just a bad look. Uh, so I, I have questions about Boston going forward and if they'll hang on, but we'll see. I had questions about them at the beginning of the year. I picked them fourth in the division and they're in second place right now. So I still got egg on my face. Um, let's see. Uh, next question, Brandon, does anybody want to win the NL East? Like, does anybody really want to win that division? <laughs>
1: <clears throat> yeah, we talked about as well that Phillies made some, some tr- trades at the deadline to get Gibson in some starters. They've won eight straight, which is the longest winning streak in August for them since a while ago. And I was telling Ben before this show that uh, today the Philadelphia Phillies against the Mets at home uh, retired Roy Halliday's number. And if you don't know Roy Halliday, you know that he died in a plane crash, um, uh, a single-engine plane crash that he was flying around and he died. But anyways, he they retired his number today and then – Uh, Zach Wheeler went out and threw a two-hit shutout, but he retired 22 batters straight, and the last Philly to retire 22 batters straight was Roy Halladay. So as Ben likes to say, how can you not love baseball? It's just so romantic, isn't it?
0: How do you not get romantic about baseball? Well, and I'll I'll stay here. I stand corrected. I was critical of the Phillies at the trade deadline. I said, I don't know why you uh, gave up the one- you know, kind of highly touted prospect you have to go for it this year. I, I still don't necessarily think if they get to the playoffs that it, they're going to advance very far. But, hey, they're red hot right now. I look dumb for saying that a couple weeks ago. Do you realize, too, Brandon, with their loss uh, today that the Mets have fallen into third place? Yeah. And at least the Braves I'm, I'm, actually yeah. passed.
1: Atlanta's sticking around. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be between those three teams. I mean, obviously losing to Gram It hurts. Uh, Marcus... Strowman is a Strowman who's had a down year that you looked at that I means it's been down. since yeah, he, the Spider attack stuff.
0: Yep. Well, and here's the other thing, regardless of pitching for the Mets, do you realize they have scored 416 runs on the season? That is by far, by far the fewest in the national league. The only other team that is close is the Texas Rangers with 417 runs scored on the year. So the Mets, it's been a problem all year. I thought at some point the names they had, the bats would get going. They would start hitting eventually. That really hasn't happened. I actually do think it's time for the Mets to legitimately be panicked that, hey, they, they're losing their grip on this thing. And if something, somebody doesn't start hitting soon, they're going to be sitting at home for October again. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm with you. I, I watched the game again today watching it, and I was like, the Mets lineup, it just seems very well constructed. Like, now with Baez, they can go right, left, right, left, power hitting in the middle. I I just I it looks like their lineup is loaded, but they can't score runs where the Phillies now have better pitching. um, And Zach Wheeler is having a career year, but they also have the bats as well. And Reese Hawkins and Andrew McCutcheon have missed some time recently.
0: Yep. Philly, I'm not quite sure how they're doing it, by the way. Uh, a guy who probably should be start getting some mentions for the m v p race bryce harper i 'm not sure how how it 's possible for a star on the East Coast having the year he's having to have a quiet, great year. Bryce Harper has quietly had a really, really great year and he's been hot lately,
1: yeah, yeah, he had another home run today, I think that's four in the last week or something like that uh yeah it's interesting how he went from the Nationals where he was like quote unquote the base of the the face of baseball for a long time, and then he went to Philadelphia with that massive contract but he's not really talked about too much anymore.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's, again, the the numbers are the numbers he's got. He's up to 19 home runs now. He's 157 weighted runs, created plus. Again, not like Vladdy, Shohei Otani, even Tatis type numbers. But if the Phillies are going to finish this thing off and actually pull the division out, it's going to be in large part due to Bryce Harper being a star that carries that lineup. And Man, right now, this week, it's August. There's still decent ways to go in September. But, uh, wow, uh, just impressive stuff that Harper is doing and amazing that no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's go back to the American League. The AL West, this is a fun division right now. The A's, man, just as it looked like A's continuing to do A's things. They're maybe, maybe even going to make a run at the division. They're still only three games back. Ramon Lariano gets popped for PEDs. Brandon, how big was that Marte trade in hindsight?
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That Marte, Starling Marte, is just ginormous at that point because he's been even playing center when they got him. Lariano, I saw in a game, got switched over to right field. So that is just huge for them. Now, uh, for the A's fan, I I think that Chris Davis got bought out by the Rangers a couple months ago. So I think he's sitting at home. So if they want to bring Chris Davis back, I think he's available. L- That's an LOL JK, by the way.
0: Yeah, LOL. They they could bring him back to pinch hit and maybe hit one home run and strike out a few times. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Davis, you have had good years, but just not this year. Uh, also, Houston. I mean, Brandon. Every time I've been watching Houston, I know they're five and five over their last ten. But man, that lineup is loaded. I will say too, the Houston pitching staff came together a lot better than I thought that it would this year. Um, I- any chance i still think houston at the end of the day wins this division yeah. but the a's with the moves they made i don't know i it's it's possible but i to me i think both houston and oakland are ver- oh houston for sure is headed to the playoffs any any doubts about that
1: uh no i mean but oakland's making it a series and yeah i mean the- AL East with their top four teams, and then Houston and Oakland, that's where your wild card, two wild card teams are going to come from. So it's going to get – I mean, well, we have like 50 games left, so there's still plenty of games left. There's a lot of baseball to be played. But, man, this is going to get fun, folks. It's going to come down to the wire for a lot of these teams.
0: Yep. And then the last last team I have that I wanted to mention, Seattle – Man, I don't know if you watched any of the weekend series in New York, man. It was rough. They lost two games in a row that had leads in the eighth, ninth inning and just couldn't finish. It was honestly kind of painful to watch. Mariners are still – I mean – They're five and a half games back in the wild card. It's possible, but to me, they're trending in the wrong direction. I think that negative 53 run differential, we're starting to see that pendulum of luck in one-run games start to swing the other way. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I still hear that there's a lot of hatred from that Kendall Graveman uh, trade that it just it pretty much broke up that locker room. He was loved in that locker room, and guys are still having a really hard time letting go. Me and you think it's a good trade, but that that it's it's all about the the clubhouse. And I guess those guys are still having a really hard time that that the Mariners did that.
0: Yep, yeah, they got a got a two nothing win to to salvage something out of that series in New York this week. But bottom line is, Mariners have lost seven of their last ten. Like you said, there's about fifty games to go, so there there is time, but if they're going to make a true push, it's probably got to happen soon. Uh, and yeah. Oh, the angels are above 500. So there you go. Four <laughs> teams above 500 in the West. Spoiler alert, folks, the angels are not going to the playoffs. Now this, th- year. now
1: this was, this is, this is why I keep looking at moving forward. Cause the AL East, the NL West, and we're looking at wildcard teams. Okay. Cincinnati is sneaking up on the Padres. This is what makes me nervous. The Padres have a lot of games left against the giants and that division can beat up on each other. Since I mean, since he has St. Louis, Chicago, who's given up, and Pittsburgh, who's not very good. So, I mean, if you're talking about catching games and you're just playing within your division, it, that's scary to look at. Same thing in, with Oakland and Houston. If they can take care of business within their division, you're talking about Tampa Bay, Boston, New York, Yankees, and Toronto beating up on each other, there's games to be had for that wild card. So you've got to look out for those divisional races and teams playing within the division for wild card spots because those divisions and who you're playing in the division does
0: matter. That's a really good point, and I'm so glad you brought up Cincinnati because I almost glossed over them and moved on to the next segment. But Cincinnati, they've won five in a row. They've won eight out of ten. Don't look now. They're ten games over 500 and only two games behind the Padres. Uh, Padres, I think you got to get Tatis back, got to get right. Blake Snell at the moment looks like he's kind of having a – maybe a get right or just finally this is the start you should have when you're pitching against a team like the diamondbacks but bottom line is guys like snell gotta gotta start pitching better tatis probably needs to get healthy cincinnati i mean i don't think they have the firepower to get over the hump and really get a wild card spot but hey two games back with 50 to go and like you said i love that you bring up the schedule reds get to play a lot of games against the nl central spoiler alert not as tough a schedule as what the padres yeah. have in their own division so yeah. that's going to be a compelling one down the stretch for sure okay let's go speaking of sorry brandon your padres may be losing a stranglehold on a wild card spot Know <laughs> that maybe gets you a little angry <laughs> there's the fight riff brandon what grinds your gears this week
1: grinds my gears is the San Diego. no it's not the padres uh- I'm thinking of <laughs> the Olympic theme. I'm ending with the Olympics. I began the Olympics. I'm ending with it because there is this like cliche around the gold medal that like Ricky Bobby says, you're not first, you're last. And that seems to be kind of the mold in there. Like gold is what you attain for. Gold is what you must have. And there's been a lot of athletes come out this Olympics like, hey, I'm happy with silver. I'm happy with bronze. But it's all about gold, gold, gold. Who has the most goals in the countries? All that top winner stuff. I think everybody has to realize these Olympic athletes train for years to get to the Olympics. You don't think that they're happy winning a silver or a bronze medal. They're at the peak of their condition. They're at the best of the best with the athletes. So I think that we need to take a step back from gold is everything. And we still have to admire and appreciate what the, these athletes do to get silver and to get bronze. And that is what grinds my gears this week.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's tougher because we tend to think of like in a team sports centric way where, you know you think like the women's basketball game that happened at kind of end of the at the end of the week for or the end of the Olympics where there's a gold medal game and you lose and that's what gets you silver but in these other sports like some one of the marathon finishes sprint to the end an American ducked in and got a bronze like okay you didn't lose and get the bronze you won a bronze in a race like the marathon so I think that's that's just one of those things where you watch the Olympics folks you got to kind of change your your definition of what's really winning and losing because it's it's different than two teams going head-to-head with the winner and a loser for sure uh, my crimes my gears this week I, to be honest i don't even know i, I just i don't I, Pete, there's no limits to what people will do to try to get money from you texted brandon this yesterday it's now we're not just getting you know scam phone calls scam emails chain letters from way back in the day now it's invading the text realm and i know this isn't new but i got you know some fake person texting me saying Oh, hey, is this Gary from Plenty of Fish? I'm in town. Let's meet up. And, of course, I try to do the nice thing and and say, no, you know, no Gary here. Oh, so then this woman sends me her picture and says, oh, this is embarrassing. Do you want to meet? No, I don't want to meet because I know where this ends. You want me to give you your credit card picture to see some nasty or my credit card number to see some nasty photos? It's just, gosh, people, like, I'm sorry, but get a real job. Get a real job. I just, I'm just imagining some guy sitting in a cubicle somewhere, just texting random numbers, saying, "Oh, hey, this is Corinne from Sweden." I'm into no, no, you're not. It's just stupid. It, you wasted my time with it. Although Brandon and I had a good laugh we over did. the exchange, we did. But oh, it's just, just people. Come on, get earn your money the honest way, please, and, you, and keep it off my phone. You know, it's like some
1: like 50 year old man uh, texting you from like a young girl's perspective too. You know.
0: Oh, yeah, and the best part was, Brandon is when I went to, I searched on, because good, good old Reddit, search for the, oh, the scam, and what was, it? what was it, the third post now, the, someone else with the same picture. Same I, like, exact picture. Nasty, <laughs> same picture, same script, like two words change It's just, oh, God, people, just, just earn your money, honestly, and uh, keep it off my phone. <laughs> it, it was funny, though. <sighs> it was funny. You had
1: to be there. It's one of those, you had to be there, but it was funny.
0: It was. It still still grinds my gears again. Nothing is sacred. But anyway, uh, Brandon, you got any trivia or facts for us this week?
1: Yeah, I just got some random, random facts today. Baseball style, you know, the more you know is always my thing. The more you know. Okay, so I got, uh, let's see, uh, four little quick facts. So if you take away Hank Aaron's 755 home runs, I think some people know this. Hank Aaron still has over 3,000 hits. So he was not just a big bopper. That dude can just straight rake all the time. Uh, Each baseball game has, and Ben, you'll like this, 12,386,344 possible plays. Uh, The biggest height difference in baseball between pitchers and hitters, 6'11", John Roach against 5'5", Jose Altuve. And finally, the last stat I have for you, the perfect inning, that's nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts, has achieved 46 times in baseball.
0: The immaculate inning. Love to see that. Makes me angry every time I'm playing MLB the show and I get to that eighth pitch. I'm almost there, and then I either spike one in the dirt or give up a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: All right. That is our show for the week, folks. Again, we always appreciate you being with us. I'll give you our Twitter handle one more time it's at the NRI podcast. We are the non roster invitees. We will be back as normal next week on Monday. A lot of good baseball coming up. College football is right around the corner. Enjoy your week. Say one, or uh, never mind. I don't even know where I was going. With that. Brandon, <laughs> take us out so I stop sounding like an idiot. <laughs> and that's how we end the show. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next week. That's the worst epic ever. <laughs>